This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Speak Legal, conversations with Community Law Otago, made with the support of Law Faculty, University of Otago. And today on Speak Legal, we're going to be looking at caring for and protecting children under the Family Violence Act. And joining us on the line now to talk more about that, Jesse Hanson. Jesse Morena, good to have you with us. Good morning. Tell us uh, about this important piece of legislation that covers this situation, Jesse. Cool. So the Family Violence Act um, 2018, uh, relatively recent, uh, deals with, as it suggests, family violence and protecting family members um, from domestic abuse. And the Act empowers the police to grant safety orders and the court to grant protection orders. <clears throat> All right. Tell us a little bit more about that. Cool. So uh, family violence uh, is any kind of violence. I mean, it, it seems pretty self-explanatory, but it's any kind of violence inflicted by one person against another who they are or have been in a family relationship with. Uh, and it includes physical, sexual and psychological abuse. Uh, violence also includes a pattern of behaviours not necessarily discrete events um, that is coercive or controlling and causes the person or may cause the person cumulative, cumulative harm. Uh, so even if the acts viewed in isolation appear minor or trivial, um, a pattern of behaviours can form abuse. Um, the kind of which that the Family Violence Act seeks to protect people from. Right, you mentioned uh, psychological abuse. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so psychological abuse isn't as you know self-explanatory as physical or sexual. Uh, so it requires specific definition under Section 11. So it includes threats of abuse, uh, any intimidation or harassment, so things like following people to work, um, loitering around their school, trespassing on their property, stuff like that. Uh, also includes damage to property, um, ill treatment of any animals or pets, financial or economic abuse, withholding money or um, you know, accessing their funds without consent. Uh, and in respect to people who... Uh, may have a disability or be vulnerable due to their age, um, withdrawing care or withdrawing any aid or device or medication that affects their quality of life uh, counts as psychological abuse. Uh, and Section 10.2 provides that anyone who causes a child or puts a child at real risk of seeing or hearing any kind of abuse towards their family members, has been um, they have psychologically abused that child. Um, um probably important that we look at some definitions around uh, family rela- relationships here. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, something that seems self-explanatory uh, includes spouses and family members, um, but it also includes anyone that uh, person A ordinarily shares a household with. Um, that can be, there is a there is a note though, um, just because someone's living in a landlord-tenant or employer-employee relationship, um, they aren't automatically in a family relationship by virtue of the fact that they live together, but the circumstances might be so that they are in a family relationship. And the last kind of family relationship in Section 14 is anyone with a close personal relationship. Um, so romantic relationships, sexual relationships, but it's not necessary that it's sexual. Um, but and the court has to determine whether this is a close personal relationship. So they'll consider the nature and intensity of the relationship, right. um, how much time they spend together, um, what they're doing when they spend it together, stuff like that. Let's so have a look a lot at, of room there. Yeah, sorry. Let's have a look That's at right. uh, some of the remedies that are available. Um, yep. And let's talk about police safety orders first. So police safety orders, um, they're kind of the first port of coil because 
police are the first to usually deal with family violence. Uh, so they can make these relatively swiftly, the NAFA Family Violence Act. So qualified constables can issue safety orders under Section 28 if they have reasonable grounds to believe that an order is necessary to help keep someone safe from family violence. Uh, they must have regard to the matters specified in Section 29. So that whether it's likely that um, the person the safety order is against is inflicting family violence or whether they um, are inflicting family violence on any other person uh, in that family, uh, also the likelihood that they'll inflict violence again. Uh, also the welfare of any children that reside with the victim who the order is being issued for uh, and the hardship that might be caused if any order is issued. Um, other things about safety orders, they can be issued without the consent of the person to whose safety the order is to be issued. Uh, that can That's good in family relationships especially because you know, you never really want to issue that kind of order against someone in your family. It gets a bit messy. Um, safety orders can't be issued against a minor. Uh, they may be issued against a child between 16 and 18, if justified by special circumstances. Uh, what else is there? Um, they do have to explain the order, including its purpose, duration, and what consequences might follow if it's contravened to the person it's being issued against. Uh, and it has certain standard um, conditions. So the person that serves the order must immediately vacate any land or building that's occupied by the person at risk and surrender any weapons. Also, file, firearms licence are automatically suspended under Section 40. Um, and any parenting orders that might be in place are also suspended. <clears throat> People might be um, familiar with protection orders. Tell us a little bit more yep. about those. Yeah, so these are the ones that are made through court applications. Uh, so, yeah, usually this happens after a safety order is issued, um, but they are made under Section 60 of the Family Violence Act. They can be made with or without notice, which means um, without notifying the person that they're being served against. So, you know, due to the nature of family violence, a large portion are done without notice. So they can be done without notice if the delay of making one with notice would involve a risk of harm or undue hard, hardship for the applicant or any child of their family. Um, but yeah, usually that risk of harm is present. So protection orders are made by the person who seeks to be protected by the order. Uh, children can make orders only by legal representative or um, they can be authorised if they're over 16 to do so without a representative or they can be authorised just by the court to do so without representation. Uh, and there's also applications on behalf under Section 69. So this can be quite important, uh, considering some people may be eligible to apply for protection orders and have legal capacity that are prevented, uh, either by physical incapacity or fear of harm. So uh, these applications can be made on behalf by a representative or the court can appoint a representative for people if the person's 18 and over. Um, they must be satisfied, though, in appointing these representatives that reasonable attempts have been made to procure the views of the person um, who the order is being made for and that it's in the best interest to make that appointment. Um, also, for people who lack capacity, uh, legal capacity, sorry, under Section 67, uh, a representative can be important to make an application for these. This can be especially important in cases of elder abuse. Um, so... Many older people may lack legal capacity because they have dementia or something. Um, but, yeah, because of that, they are also vulnerable to family violence. Um, and 
There's obviously yeah, Jesse. There's obviously you know significant <clears throat> implications when orders are yep. made. So the court would have to be satisfied of some pretty clear things. Tell us about what is required to be satisfied uh, to to put a protection yep. order in place. Yeah, so they are, yeah, as you say, quite serious things to be levied against the person. So the court can only make them if they're satisfied um, of two things under Section 79. So they have to be satisfied that the respondent has inflicted or is inflicting family violence against the applicant or a child of the applicant's family or both. Uh, and they also must be satisfied that the making of that order is necessary for their protection. Um, it is very general language and it changes, obviously, from case to case. Um, but they do, yeah, there has to be some real risk to justify um, placing this kind of restriction on people because it does take away um, access to certain, you know, places, buildings, uh, also suspends, you know, like licenses and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and under Section 83, the court must have regard to the perception and the effect of the behaviour on the applicant. So the idea is that some people who inflict family violence may have a different perception of how serious or harmful a thing they've done or said is, um, but this shouldn't be enough, obviously, to exonerate them from the fear or harm they've unwittingly caused. But there's, you know, there's a lot of different things that are going to go into that consideration about whether there is a real risk of harm. Jesse, yeah, what happens after a protection order is made? Um, sorry, I've just lost my note. One moment. <laughs> They're initially made <clears throat> temporary, I understand. And Yeah, yeah. Yep. So they're made on a temporary basis and they can either be finalised or discharged, usually on application to the court. Um, but an app, uh, a protection order that's made without notice becomes final automatically if it's not discharged after three months. So respondents, um, these are the people who have had the order served against them, can apply to the court to be heard on whether... Um, a final protection order can be substituted for a temporary one. Uh, they can also apply for any modification um, to conditions. So someone with a firearms licence, for example, might want to apply um, because they hunt or whatever to get rid of that special condition. Uh, also, they can just apply for it to be discharged and they can argue that they you know, no longer present uh, a risk to the person, um, stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, standard conditions, um, no contact. Um, also requiring that they don't have other people breach the order for them. So using friends or family members to contact the people they're not allowed to contact, um, things like that. But they can obviously apply when children are involved for um, contact with their children mm -hmm. if that is deemed necessary or appropriate. <clears throat> Jesse, obviously there's circumstances under which someone might um, be compelled to make an application for a protection order or a police safety order. There are going to be many and varied. Uh, sometimes people will have left a family home. Sometimes it'll be uh, an emergency situation. Other times yeah. it'll be something that someone might have thought long and hard about and then takes that next step. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Community Law Otago able to help uh, direct people when um, if they get approached uh, around making these kind of orders? Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're there for. Um, we handle this kind of thing a lot, so always welcome.
Well, it's yeah. good, good to know. It's just one of the many wonderful services that Community Law Otago offer. Um, thanks, yeah. Jesse, for for enlightening us uh, there around this uh, this big issue of family violence and the protections that are in place through the legislation around yeah. that. We we'll look forward to catching up with you again, Jesse, further down the track, and uh, and other uh, of the wonderful volunteers from Community Law Otago as we talk about other legal issues here on Speak Legal. Beautiful. Thank you for having me. Community Law Otago. Free legal advice and support for the people of Otago. Visit our weekday advice clinics at 169 Princess Street, Dunedin. Clinic session times are available from the website communitylawotago.com. Ring 474-1922 or 0800-169-333 if calling from outside Dunedin. Speak Legal is made with support from the law faculty, University of Otago, training for life. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.